Hello, and welcome to The Link Podcast, the industry's link to learn, innovate news and knowledge in global supply chain intelligence, hosted by food logistics and supply and demand chain executive. We cover everything from transportation and warehousing trends and new technologies to food safety and sustainability impacting today's supply chains. I am Associate Editor Brielle Jekyll, and we are focusing on ocean and air freight for the next couple of weeks. So today we're starting off with an interview with Neil Jones Shaw who is the executive vice president and global head of air freight of freight forwarding company Flexport. We talk about coronavirus's impact and sustainability, as well as the future outlook of air cargo. So let's link into that conversation now. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am here with Neil Jones Shaw, who is the EVP and global head of air freight at Flexport. Hi, Neil. Thank you so much for coming on with me today. Thanks, Brielle. It's a pleasure to be with you this afternoon. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, So I'm really excited to talk about air freight because I feel like it's one of the lesser talked about areas of logistics. I mean, we're always covering last mile and on the ground transportation, but I think air air cargo is such an interesting sector. So I'm really excited to get into this today. Sounds great. And that's, uh, that's my passion. So uh, luckily, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna hit the sweet spot here of this conversation. <laughs> awesome. So first, I want to ask you, what, what do you think are the broad trends right now in air freight? Well, you know, just like every other part of the supply chain, which seems to be stressed right now, um, you know, the the air freight market globally, you know, has is is really um, operating at a level that we we haven't experienced before in recent history. Um, you know, uh, it it is it is not only a demand story, and we know what's going on with demand, right? Because it's across all modes. We see what's going on in the ocean and the trucking side, um, but demand is through the roof, um, as we know. But this on the air freight side, it's also an enormous capacity story. Um, and what I mean by that is is that um, when when COVID, and this is all a COVID-driven impact, when COVID hit uh, at the beginning of last year. Um, we know that you know global travel came to a screeching halt almost overnight. Um, you saw those TSA numbers go from two and a half million a day to literally fifty thousand a day, and that happened over a span of a couple of weeks. And so, you know, air travel ground to a halt, and in particularly international air travel ground to a halt. And for those of our audience that don't know, about fifty percent of air cargo moved in the bellies of passenger airplanes. So when you're going on an international trip, a lot of what's below your feet in the belly of the airplane is not only your bags, but it's a lot of cargo. And, and so with that capacity effectively offline, it, it caused an incredible mismatch in terms of demand and capacity almost worldwide and almost overnight. And so the market was turned on its ear, air, rate, air freight rates rose to levels we had never seen before in the history of the industry. a kilo sort of in the May, June time period last year. And as you remember, we were moving vast quantities of of PPE, Mm -hmm. right? Face masks and gowns and face shields and all of the stuff to protect our frontline workers, um, you know, as they were fighting through the the, the early stages of COVID. So we had sort of the perfect storm of dramatically reduced capacity, lots of demand and, and, and the air freight market 
has sort of been running at that level um, ever since. It really is amazing how much COVID has affected things and the prices. But I think one of the more interesting points in air cargo to me is that is is learning that all of that was being transported underneath passenger planes. I know we did a link live episode with an with an air cargo expert a few months ago. And I remember she mentioned that, yeah, livestock is even sometimes transported in these in these flights. So you could be, you know, on a flight and, you know, there could be like pigs underneath in the cargo space. And it's just mind blowing to me. Yeah, exactly. More, more often than not, it might be baby chicks um, yes. and things like that. But uh, you're right. Uh, it, it, it's so many different commodities from from uh, from livestock to perishables to pharmaceuticals, you know, the COVID vaccine um, uh, to high tech to automotive components, light industrial, you name it. Um, there are a lot of verticals that are taking advantage of air freight, some structurally because they always have because they have just in time supply chains and think automotive, think, think, you know, Apple iPhone. Um, but there are also a lot of, uh, you know, industries that have traditionally been ocean shippers, you know, that have had to do sort of a modal shift, right, because of everything that's going on in the ocean um, and, and the congestion on the high seas right now and, and the congestion at the ports, um, the lack of containers, all of that is also driving some shippers who relied almost entirely on ocean start to start looking at sort of create creative multimodal solutions so whether that's a combination of traditional ocean premium ocean and then air freight we see a lot of customers sort of you know embracing this new modal mix in order to get product on the shelves right well, when you were saying that that COVID kind of changed everything for air cargo, I know that a lot of passenger flights were being converted to cargo flights. I mean, that was all over the news about how I think there was one even was like a bear was being transported on in the middle of a not with passengers, but in a traditional you know flight um, in order to be able to get these um, shipments places, uh, d during the crazy pandemic, but is everything kind of back to normal now? I know my friend is a TSA agent and she says that, that the numbers of people coming into airports is almost back to, to normal. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a great question, Brielle. And, and, and so, um, uh, you know, uh, early in the pandemic, you know, the airlines did pivot very quickly and, 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 you know, some did, you know, much more of this than others. Um, so it, it wasn't sort of equally spread across the industry, but there were airlines that really embraced this opportunity um, quite, quite aggressively. And what they did essentially is they, they just, you know, continued to run, you know, passenger planes, but for cargo only. And, and this was made possible by, by two sort of phenomena. First is that when we went into the pandemic, fuel was at an all-time low, not an all-time low, but was very low. You know, we're talking less than a dollar a gallon for jet fuel. And, and as a result of that, you know, jet fuel is the, the, the biggest cost that goes into operating a flight. And so with that cost quite manageable and the airlines with plenty of air crews, you know, basically sitting around with, with not much to do because, you know, nobody was traveling, so they pulled down their passenger schedules. They pivoted very quickly and just operated, you know, wide-body passenger planes as cargo freighters. And and from an economics perspective, they made a lot of sense because 
as I said in my last answer, yields had gone through the roof, you know, in, in many lane segments, you know, you're talking about $12, $15 a kilo. Well, all of a sudden now, even without passengers on the airplane, the airlines could, could generate cash and more importantly, could keep their employees working. Um, and so they, they, they ran thousands and thousands of these passenger freighters and they were affectionately called freighters. Um, you know, in the trade press and, and, you know, airlines ran thousands of them. Some did more than others, you know, United and Air Canada and Emirates and Qatar, you know, embraced this idea. Other carriers were a little more conservative and didn't do as much of it. But nonetheless, globally, we had tens of thousands of these flights being operated and they were sort of a godsend for the industry because, you know, we needed this capacity from a freight forwarding perspective. We needed this capacity um, you know, to help move all of the demand that was out there, particularly for, for uh, personal protective equipment. Now, while, while the number of Prater flights has certainly come down, we are not back to normal at all when it comes to passenger flying. And, and, and I appreciate the comments of your friend who, who works for the TSA. And, and, you know, they're exactly right that, you know, domestic travel is almost back to pre-pandemic levels. So people feel very comfortable going to see grandma or going to Florida, Disney World and things like that. That's happening. That's primarily narrow body flights domestically in the US. So we're not talking about cargo here. The international travel is still at, at sort of pandemic you know, levels. It still is. Um, oh, you know, many, wow. countries, many countries around the world are closed um, and continue to require very strict requirements if you were to enter like 10 day quarantines, um, you know, uh, you know, three or four, you know, PCR negative tests before you're allowed out of quarantine. So it is, it's still very difficult to travel internationally and flights are slowly starting to come back. Countries are slowly starting to open up, but overall it is going to take us a couple of years to get back to where we were. And, and these are the flights that were carrying a lot of the cargo. Um, uh, so notwithstanding the, the example of the bear, um, and, and I'm glad that was on a Prater because I wouldn't want to be sitting next to a bear on, on, on my flight. But, um, uh, I, you know, I think that it's going to take a while for these uh, for a lot of these passenger flights to come back. And, and so the reliance on not only the passenger freighters, so, you know, passenger uh, airplanes operating as freighters, but also full freighters is going to be, um, uh, you know, very prevalent um, for the next two, three years. So, so completely post pandemic, let's say COVID is completely gone and yep. we are back to normal. How will this Prater flight situation make a lasting impression on the airline industry and the air freight industry? I think given, given your, um, you know, hypothesis that we're, we're fully past, uh, the Praters will be gone. Um, they, they, they won't, they won't have a role, um, you know, in the industry once we're back to, to, to normal. And, and it's simply because, you know, once we're back to normal, you know, the expectation is, is that these elevated yields will, will uh, trend more back to historical norms. And as the yields move back to historical norms, flying passenger airplanes just for cargo, you know, will, will not make economic sense. In addition, you know, when we're back to normal and the world is operating, you know, as it was pre-pandemic, oil prices traditionally were higher than they were when we entered this pandemic. So, you know, the combination of lower yields and higher costs will make flying, you know, praters, um, you know, uneconomical. Again, 
when we're back to norm, normal. Um, I still think that's going to be a, a couple of years from now. So, uh, so for the time being, you know, we're, we're still seeing these craters in the sky and, um, you know, at Flexport, we, we continue to charter them because they meet the needs of, of many of our customers. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I think we'll continue to do that through 21 and even into 22. Mm -hmm. Well, since COVID and even before COVID, since we've gotten so global in our supply chains, many people have discussed the need for reshoring. How do you feel Air Freight's place will be, or where do you feel that Air Freight's place will be in the future if we do start to reshore? Yeah, man, it's, it's a great question. And, you know, reshoring, nearshoring, um, you know, supply chain diversification, you know, these aren't new topics. You know, Brielle, they've, you know, a lot of shippers have been talking about this for many years. And, and actually, you know, during, during the, 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 the height of the trade crisis between the U.S. and China, you know, many shippers, you know, felt very vulnerable because of the, you know, the exchanges of tariffs and things like that, that, you know, they were maybe heavily, too heavily dependent on one, one origin um, for a lot of their shipments. So, you know, shippers have been diversifying their supply chain now for a few years. Um, they've been moving production to places in Southeast Asia, you know, which is why you've seen exports from countries like Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand, Malaysia, Philippines increase double digits over the past several years, right? Both ocean and air exports um, have been increasing quite dramatically out of many of these countries because they've been the beneficiary of, 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 uh, of some, you know, manufacturing moves out of, uh, let's say, even mainland China. Central America, Mexico, obviously very strong export economies have been producing more and more. But I think overall, um, you know, uh, while, while some of these impacts do will have um, uh, an impact on air freight, while some of this nearshoring and onshoring will have an impact on air freight, overall demand continues to increase. Just the overall size of the pie keeps on getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and as a result, um, you know, air freight is going to be an incredibly vital, you know, um, part of the supply chain um, for years and years to come. I don't, I don't see sort of any point on the horizon where there will be less demand for air freight. I, I, it's going to be continue to be um, a robust part of the supply chain for, for years to come. Mm -hmm. You know, in, on the subject of nearshoring and reshoring, when I was focused on sustainability in our last month on the podcast, one of the speakers told me that a, a good way to increase sustainability and eco-friendly services within the supply chain is to start to nearshore and reshore. And it really got me thinking about air freight's place in sustainability. Mm -hmm. How does how does air cargo handle this? I was talking with my fiance a little while ago about how Delta made a pledge to go, you know, carbon neutral in a few years, or I think within 10 years, um, in its its air cargo space. And he was asking me what how is that even possible? You know, jets use fuel to yeah. to go. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great question. And, you know, there's, there's no time like the present to talk about sustainability. And you're right. I mean, air, air cargo, air freight, airlines are, are a big contributor of, of CO2. I mean, they're, they're, your, 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 your fiance is exactly right. I mean, there's, there's no way to, to sugarcoat that. They are a, a massive contributor to CO2. I, I think that, um, uh, you know, what, what a lot of the asset owners in this space, and, and you know, I'm going to talk a little bit about how Flexport approaches this in a second, 
But a lot of the asset owners, you know, you, you look at the major airlines around the world, they have all can, they have all sort of made a commitment that they're going to be carbon neutral, let's say by 2035, 2040. Now, you know, that's several years out in the horizon, but, you know, they, they very much have a goal to do that. And, you know, you can do that in, in many ways. I think that, you know, they have a lot of carbon offset programs, like, you know, they're planting millions and millions of trees, right, for every flight, uh, for the flights they operate in order to try and offset some of the carbon that they're producing. You know, the move to biofuels is going to certainly accelerate in, in, in the coming months and years. And you're seeing some airlines now, you know, operate even five and 10 percent of their schedule using biofuels. And, and Delta and United are, are two of the airlines that are aggressively pursuing this. Um, and, and they're very proud of this because, you know, these, these biofuel flights produce only a fraction of the CO2 emissions that, you know, traditional jet fuel does. Wow. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, the industry is taking sustainability and, and actually carbon neutral, um, you know, position uh, very, very seriously. So I think the investment in all of these things is, is going to pay dividends for the planet. Um, you know, for, 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 for years to come. And I'm really, you know, encouraged to see a lot of the asset owners place goals in place and put a stake in the ground that by this date, we are going to be carbon neutral. Because, you know, that, that was never part of their mission statement before. Right. And now, most, most of the global airlines are certainly doing that. Now, from a, from a Flexport perspective, you know, while we're not a big producer of carbon because, you know, we, we don't own the assets and all of that, you know, we, we take sustainability very seriously. And from almost day one, since Flexport was, was, uh, what was an idea, um, flexport.org, which is the, the charitable sort of arm of Flexport, um, you know, um, you know, took hold and, and, you know, last year, uh, you know, flexport.org has so, so many incredible things to be proud of in terms of all of the good that it's facilitating around the world. I mean, uh, alone, you know, flexport.org, we've offset more than 150,000 metric tons of CO2 emissions. And we've done that through, um, you know, through, uh, through carbon offsets um, that, that we're promoting with our customer base and also that flexport.org um, has purchased themselves. Um, over the past year, we've moved over 450 million units of personal protective equipment and relief supplies for COVID-19. And, and it's not only into the U.S., but to all parts of the world. I mean, you know, the organization's really geared to help people, you know, wherever they need it. Um, and we've, we've moved over 13 million pounds of, of other products, you know, that we've been, um, uh, that have been, you know, donated by our partners. And, and we work with a lot of, you know, uh, unbelievable organizations like Airlink and, and, and MedShare and United Airlines, Amazon Disaster Relief, and many others you know, in order to make this happen. So, you know, uh, sustainability to, to us comes in many different forms. Um, and, and, and we as an organization are absolutely committed to it. I agree with your statement that I love that I really love seeing all these organizations make these, these intense and measurable uh, goals. Because I think in the past, you know, when sustainability started to get more 
popular or, or consumers were more interested in it. A lot of brands and a lot of companies were making, you know, broad statements, you know, we're going to be focused on sustainability without really showing anything for it. Mm -hmm. So I love to see this turn of events where we're, we're making real progress. And in something like air freight, I think that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, in, in some of the airlines and, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a former Delta um, guy. So, uh, you know, I, I, I sometimes I, I talk a little bit more about yeah. them, but you know, they have a, um, a sustainability report card, right? They produce annually a sustainable annual report, you know, that really highlights everything that they've done. So I think you've, you've hit on the, you've hit the nail on the head. And the point is, is that, you know, people have stopped talking about it and start started doing something about it. Right. And, and they've actually put goals in the ground now and stakes in the ground in terms of when they hope to achieve um, some of these, you know, what, what, what are quite ambitious goals. And, and so I, I think that's great for our planet and, and great for our children because yeah. they certainly need us to take all of this stuff very seriously. Absolutely. So where do you think the future lies in air freight or for air freight, you know, beyond COVID, you know, bouncing back from that and sustainability, where do you think the true future is for air, air cargo? Yeah, that's a, it's a, it's a great question. And I, I think that, you know, we, I, I can't answer that without sort of bringing COVID back into it because, you know, COVID is one of these events that I think is going to structurally change the airline industry um, forever. And, and the reason I'm saying that is, is that, um, uh, you know, it, it has been so devastating, so widespread, and, and is, no, is showing no signs of sort of disappearing, right? We're, we're sort of gonna be faced with this for, for many years to come. Um, uh, you know, our patterns of travel, particularly, you know, for business and particularly international are going to change. And I think, you know, if you listen to the comments of the CEOs of both United and Delta recently, you know, they made very firm statements that their airlines have been changed permanently as a result of COVID. Those are pretty, uh, pretty impactful statements to, to make, um, you know, as the heads of, of, of those airlines. And I think that the reason they said that is that they know that, you know, demand patterns are changing. They know that business travel is going to change. And as a result, their flying patterns are going to change. The type of airplanes that they, that they, the destinations they go to are going to change. And so what that means for air cargo is a couple of things. I think it means that you know, freighters, um, you know, so those are the airplanes that are dedicated to only moving cargo are going to gain even added prominence and, and added importance, you know, for years and years to come because they're going to have to make up for the loss of some belly capacity. Mm -hmm. And you also have to, you know, understand that there was a very important trend that sort of exploded during COVID and that's e-commerce. E-commerce was already, you know, sort of on a very, very steady growth trajectory. But, you know, when COVID hit, e-commerce, you know, demand exploded, right? And, and we saw everything that the big e-commerce players like Amazon and Alibaba and JD.com, all of these companies experienced last year. But, but everybody involved in e-commerce, you know, saw, saw their businesses um, grow exponentially. And, and these trends aren't showing any signs of slowing down. While people may go back to a little bit more brick and mortar, they're not slowing down sort of the e-commerce channels um, uh, that they were uh, that they were consuming from. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And, and so, you know, you, you, you are going to see a lot of the large e-commerce, you know, players, you know, continue to expand their footprint and expand their own operation. I mean, Amazon is already up to over 80 aircraft in, in the U.S. alone, and the ambition is to be over 100 very soon. They're building airlines in Europe and looking at potentially building airlines in India and other places. So, you know, the, the, these trends are, are going to continue. And I think air freight is going to have a very, very clear and very prominent position in supply chains around the world, um, you know, for, for the long, long term. And I'm not just saying that as an air cargo guy. I, you know, Braille, I, I honestly believe this, you know, that this is, the, you know, this is where this is headed. Um, and, and I think air freight is going to be just as relevant, you know, 10 years from now as it is today. I agree. I, I think it's going to be definitely changed after COVID, and and I'm excited to see where the what the future holds for for not just air cargo but for freight in general. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's all I have time for. But thank you so much for coming on and talking with me today. Um, you're very welcome, Brielle. It was a it was a real pleasure, and uh, wish you the best, and hope you have a great weekend. Absolutely wonderful insights. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode and tune in every Tuesday for our episodes of Link by a food logistics and supply and demand chain executive. If you like what you hear, be sure to give us a thumbs up or a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Brielle for more of what's happening in the supply chain. And do not forget to hit subscribe on the Spotify, Apple and Google playlist apps so you never miss an episode.